0: Welcome back to the show that never ends. This is the Our Time Show, the show by watch geeks for watch geeks. I'm Victor Marks. And I am Nicholas DeLeo. Woo! Yes, yeah. All right. I am so happy. Okay, you did something really eventful this week. I sure did. Uh, I visited a fancy watch
1: retailer in New York City. I've got my eyes on a uh, Doxa Sub 300T. Uh, may or may not buy it, but I'm in that research phase uh, went to the store a couple of days ago. Tried it on. Uh, as as uh, long time listeners know, my wrist is on the small side, so I'm just paranoid about big watches. Uh, tried it on. Seems to fit
0: pretty well. Like, were you ash- were you ashamed going into the dealer thinking I have a small wrist? Did you think that they were going to 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 belittle you?
1: Yes. Basically. The TLDR is yes. I, I explained to the <laughs> to the uh, lady that like, yeah, I got a small wrist. It's kind of annoying, and she was like, yeah. I don't care. You you, you look puny fine human in the watch. give me dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I respect, you know, I respect that. Uh but it seems to fit fine. It seems to fit well. Uh so I'm now kind of past that stage of like oh, maybe it's too big. So now we're at the stage of uh you know, I think as I've also explained, I've got like, you know, a, a drawer filled with I won't call it junk, but like a bunch of watches I just don't wear. It's junk. It's, it's 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 degrees of junk. Uh, and so I'm going to try to sell off some of those. We ought to hold a giveaway. I can give away a couple of them. Some of them are, 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 you know, internet darlings. I got a couple of Islanders from, uh, from that, uh, retailer. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to give away one or two. That's fine. Nice. Uh, but yeah, look at that. I'm giving away Nick's watches, (laughs) raise, raise some capital. And then maybe in a few weeks, uh, get this Doxa and and move on with my life. But I bring up the Doxa because you have a fun, uh, Doxa, story to share so not but you not don't have one but that long ago
0: <laughs> doxa has really enjoyed I mean doxa was a manufacturer for years and years and years and and they like many Swiss manufacturers had a rough time in the the 70s 80s sure and they lived basically because Clive Cussler, Clive Cussler was an author who wrote books while he was initially working in a surf shop, and the surf shop happened to sell Doxa watches. And so Cussler wrote the Doxa into the book. Huh. And that sort of, of fandom of his writing and of his books led to the fandom of Doxa surviving okay, I didn't on that model that. that he wrote. Oh, yeah. And, and just as much as... So, so Bond has, until like the Pierce Brosnan years, was pretty strongly associated with Rolex. Ian Fleming in the books wrote, uh, Ian Fleming wore a Rolex Explorer, a 101.6, and the reason, and in the bond of the books used the Explorer. The bond of Sean Connery used the 6538 Submariner.
1: Uh, If folks are uh, Kindle users, you can buy uh, basically every James Bond novel for like $15 for like the whole set on Kindle. Uh, which I did that uh, a couple of days. You don't ago. even have so an, an have affiliate like link set up, so novel. that's just that's just pure Amazon profit there. That's fine. Well, I'm just <laughs> letting folks know if they want the novels, they can get them all for a fair price.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so okay, that's that's why Doxa lived on the strength of those books for a okay. long time, and in the seventies there was a, a company named synchron that owned doxa because as a lot of the companies happened in, in that that period of time they changed ownership you know uh brands got bought up ban- brands got brought into groups the whole thing and since that time you know there, there were some interesting watches made during that era one of them was called the 300 meter synchron military which was basically a, a doxa sub but with a totally different dial and totally different hands now until 2018, there was a guy named Rick Murray and, and Rick was the general manager of the Doxa subline. In 2018, he left and then later restarted Synchron. And he owns the trademarks for Isofrane, which is a, a really cool rubber strap, diving rubber strap. He owns the, uh, the mark for the Tropic, the Tropic strap. Huh. He, uh, he owns, let's see, what else? Uh, Aquastar is one of his. And we covered the Aquastar watch a few months ago. Yes. And so, you know, he, he did what a lot of people do, which is you see these brands that have gone unused that are just lying there fallow, waiting for someone to take them and went ahead and registered them. Yeah. And Synchron was one of them. Well, now, because Synchron and Doxa have this shared history in the 70s, he went ahead and, and showed that he is bringing back the Synchron military. And this was super interesting because uh, – you know, he posted it on on their Instagram, and Doxa got pissy. Yes, they did. To to be clear, Doxa posted to their Instagram, the Doxa Army, and wrote, "The Doxa Army is coming back. Stay tuned. As of now, please find an original picture of several executions from the beginnings of seventies. Only the original deserves your trust. I trust. <laughs> like this yeah. is a feud. <laughs> this is a real serious business. This is a feud." Doxa continued with another post saying part of the adventure is never taking shortcuts. Okay. I agree so far. The reinterpretation of the Doxa army is on the drawing board. The mission stay true to the DNA of this iconic timepiece and reimagine it in a contemporary way. There are no shortcuts to glory. It's about honoring history and legitimacy and they show their prototype. And this is, this is like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that, that Doxa wants the sales, but, of course. It was a Synchron it's, watch in the 70s, so who's to say that they're not the original, right? Yes, it's the reinvention of the brand from from Synchron. But come on, Synchron was Rick Morani was working with Doxa for so many. It's like, come on. This is this is clearly someone who knows what they're doing and, and is not disconnected from Doxa and came out of the woodwork to make it on his own. True. Right? He's not some rando as No, he's he's got a connection to this thing and understands why it's important and what he likes about it. And, and the let's let's be really fair, right? The Synchron military is a very faithful, very faithful reimagining of the original. Yes, and it's the Doxa, very.
1: I'll put the link in the show notes. But yeah, it's yeah. very, uh, very faithful. Yes.
0: Yeah, and and the Doxa army, the first one they showed when they were saying only the original deserves your trust looks nothing like it. The second one they showed looks. Well, identical to the Synchron version because they're both paying homage to the same thing. <laughs> oh, man. What a weird. And, and it's it's like they both legitimately have the the, the yes. right yeah, to do exactly. this. There's nothing legally incorrect about doing this. There's nothing heritage-wise incorrect about doing this. Yes. That's it's, why I don't understand
1: docs is kind of, I would say temper tantrum, but like it feels a little they, – uh,
0: they feel violated. That's whine, why they have a temperature. I guess. Well, they they feel violated, right? This is, you know, as as far as they're concerned, only Doxa should be making subs like this, and and to have Synchron do it, even though the Synchron name owned them at one point in the seventies, feels viol- a violation to them. It feels like illegitimate yeah, to them. I get I mean, I, I get that. I I I I hear that. Uh, but you know, if you were trying point, to pose this as a as a legal argument to the trademark office or something, you'd say that they were trading on Doxa's trade dress. Would be the 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 way you try and frame that kind of thing?
1: Are they we? They haven't said they're pursuing anything legal. Like just no, they're not. They're just upset. It feels
0: like yeah.
1: Huh, well, that's a different different uh, you know level of evidence you need to make a a, a whiny Instagram post versus filing suit. Well, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, some of the comments on, on again, we'll link to one of the stories here. Watches, guys. <laughs> You don't want people to, to take themselves too seriously, do you? That's the, that feels a little bit. And again, I, if I'm doxy, obviously I, I I get you know I'm not a fool. Uh, but you know just in terms of like not a good look, as as they say online nowadays. Like I don't know. I feel like your energy might be better spent, uh, you know, executing your new watch well than complaining about the other guy who right. you know but, may you know, or not. Who, well, again, who's not a rando, He's, he has a deep connection. So it's not, you know, it, it also feels unfair to that guy, you know. So, and so like- that
0: guy, right, all of his assembly and and quality checks, the Q, assembly and QC are performed in Switzerland. And you, you know that it's a quality watch, right? The Synchron, Synchron is going to be a quality watch. We saw the Aquastar. The Aquastar is quality watch, yeah. right? So there is no reason to suspect that, that Synchron, Rick Murray, is going to do a bad job of this. Right,
1: exactly. Maybe, well, maybe that's part of the issue. Is like, well, they know this; he will do a good job. Uh, it'll be fine. Uh, do we? The, the Doxa didn't announce the price for their for their upcoming one? Did they?
0: No, I would assume it would I be. Know of the pricing more for expensive. the Synchron is introductory for nine ninety and regular pricing yes. twelve ninety.
1: Yeah, which is which is uh, aff- affordable for this tier. You know that that's like a reasonable price. I would I would be blown away if this Doxa is. $1,200, you know? Yeah that feels like a discount price for a Doxa. I agree. What is, yeah. what is the one?
0: Doxa? What are the, what are they the, the
1: one I looked at, the sub 300 T is 1850 retail
0: are on, they really?
1: the, uh, on the, on the beads of rice. Yeah. Okay. So let's call that. I mean, I would just call that too, but
0: yeah, I'm looking just to, to check here and they have not posted that they have the, the army, but, uh, But yeah, the shark hunters and the professionals and the they're they're two thousand bucks on their site. Yes, and that's like they're affordable because they also have the sub three
1: hundred, which is I think more like three thousand offhand.
0: Uh, No, that's what I'm. I'm I'll see sub three hundred models, USD twenty four fifty. If I look at the T model, the sub three hundred T, yeah, eighteen fifty. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Doubt it'll it'll come in at twelve hundred. There, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so they, they feel insulted, they're hurt, and they feel like they're being undercut. Yeah, well. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? <laughs> yeah, true. Life is, life is hard. Such but, is life, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you went and you saw that, and I'm telling you about this kerfuffle. Yes. Um, but, but it brings up a valid point, right? When you're trying to – if you're a brand and you're trying to make an homage to something, you want to both be faithful enough that you capture the original spirit – and and you could either remake the thing exactly and capture the original fans of the thing, or you could modernize it tastefully and try and capture a wider audience. Right. Those feel like you're you're kind of two big choices there. Yeah, those are the the big choices, and you see this a lot, right? All of Tudor's catalog is basically modernizing old Rolex. But in different yeah. ways, it's not faithful at all. None of it is faithful to an original in any way. The case shapes are all different. The the sizes are all different, right? But they're trying to capture some of that spirit. Yeah, I think that's fair. Right. Yeah, and the the so the question is, you know, do do you do the original thing exactly faithfully, or do you do you modernize it a little bit? And of course, the easy thing to do is to say, well, first of all, we're going to use superluminova, <laughs> and then we're going to go ahead and use a sapphire crystal instead of an acrylic, right? I mean, well, it makes sense. Omega doesn't do that, right? Omega uses the Hesolite sandwich crystal. I would Yes, and as we've said, I would my preference would be for the Hesolite, actually. yeah, because you you have that appeals to you from a vintage standpoint. Yes, it does. But the reason that people use sat, uh, use sapphire instead of acrylic is because you can get much greater water resistance and you get a better seal, right? With an acrylic crystal, it could pop off, you'd, you'd lose all. You know first of all, you'd have 100 meters less resistance, and you'd have a warranty claim, right? So it's it's better from a lot of standpoint perspectives to use that sapphire crystal. The question is, you know, if your vintage watch was a thirty-seven millimeter diver, do you upsize it to a thirty-nine, for example? Yeah. Still trying to remain tasteful, but you you under you know you you know you're going to tick off the people who insist only on the purest original thing.
1: Well, I was reading. Uh, I forget the brand, so it's kind of a pointless story. Someone, uh, one of the brands was was going through this. And the, the watch they were trying to, to reinterpret was like a 33 millimeter. And they're like, well, there's no way we can release that today. Yeah, so they, no it one's going like to buy that 38 or something like that. It's like 33 is, is you can't really, I mean, I guess you could, uh, but that was their, that was their choice. It's like 33 is way too small today. We'll bump that up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and Oris is a good example of this. Oris has the diver 65 line and they sell it in 36, 40 and 42 millimeters. Yes, And I, I personally think the 36 size is ridiculously small, but the 40 millimeter totally small. size is perfect. They did a fantastic job of it.
1: I think a lot of folks like that Diver 65. I don't know that I've had too many negative impressions of the Diver 65.
0: I I missed out the last week on eBay. My AMC stock was was peaking really high, and oh, there was one right. on eBay at a really budget price. And I, I looked at it, I thought about it, and I blinked, and it was sold. And it was oh. Oh, brutal! Because it was it was about a little over. It was maybe sixty percent of what they normally go for. Wow! Okay. Yeah, I totally failed on that one. But speaking of this kind of thing, you know, this is an interesting exercise for me. I think about this a lot. I am I am getting in a case from nineteen sixty two, and I'm going to start trying to figure out and and see what proportions make sense and how you go about looking at something without losing the spirit of it. You know? Yeah. Because it's a, it's an interesting thought experiment. What would that company have done if they'd stayed in business, right? What would they have done if they'd survived? It's. It, I mean, I.
1: This is a. I don't know anything about cars. I. If I don't know anything about watches, I know a very tiny amount. <laughs> I know nothing about cars, but I would imagine, you know, there are similar thought experiments that happened there too. It's like maybe there's a. Cool oh, absolutely. So Ford or whatever, I have a great know, story about that.
0: It's right. My ignorance there. In in nineteen, uh, in nineteen like ninety two ninety three, something like that. VW brought out the concept one, which was the first revival of the new Beetle. It was the the concept car for the new Beetle. Okay. And there had been a couple of other concept drawings in the past. One of them in in like the mid late 80s, the 88, was to take a Beetle body and to go ahead and put a golf engine in the back and just basically make the Beetle but water cooled that went nowhere. When they first started talking about making the new Beetle, the first thing they did was they pulled from the VW museum one of the Beetles from 1940s and they built a 1940s Beetle. Like they they went ahead and they constructed a full-size real-life okay. modern. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I got. You. you know, but it it was a faithful faithful rebuild of an original. Like they just cloned it. And then they looked at that and goes, "Yeah, there's no way we can sell." Yeah. That, even though it is the quintessential, it is the perfect interpretation of a Beetle, it's not a new Beetle. And so then they, they started thinking about it and we got the thing that we got. Yeah. You know, Ford went through that exercise a couple of times. They went through that exercise when they tried to come up with the Ford Thunderbird and they basically made a 1955 Thunderbird in, in the early 2000s. Um, they came up with it again when they did the uh, GT40, which became the Ford GT. And they did it again with the uh, the more recent generation of Mustangs that are more or less somewhere about a 69-style Mustang. Huh. You know, it, 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 try, trying to do these vintage reinterpretations happens a lot. Yeah. No, and it sounds very difficult. It sounds very challenging. You know, and, and in the car world, like you said, sometimes it fails spectacularly. For example, like the PT Cruiser or the Plymouth Prowler. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Right? Those are terrible cars. The Persephone. For the Simpsons yes. watchers, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, Canyon Arrow was another Simpsons car.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that's I, I would I imagine that sounds like
1: a really like interesting challenge, uh, but it sounds like you said it sounds like very easy to to get wrong.
0: Yeah, huh. yeah, it really yeah. does. And and so the way that I'm thinking about it so far, I mean, I don't have this case in hand yet, but it's it's coming. The way that I think about it is, what are the things that I think are unique to this case that really resonate that ought to be brought forward. You know, what are the details that ought to live on from this? And you can't, the mistake that Rolex learned is you can't just take an existing model and upsize it proportionally. They, they learned that if you just scale it, that that breaks, they tried doing that with the Datejust two. They tried doing that with the 39 millimeter Explorer. And it just doesn't work because you get this really wide bezel that no longer matches the original watch yeah and and in the explorer's case they used the 36 millimeter hands on the 39 millimeter watch and found that that didn't work either didn't stop them shipping it like that for two years but they screwed that up good and and so you have to really see not just proportionally but what what makes this thing work yeah and so those are the questions i'm going to be trying to answer well it's funny you you you
1: brought up oris i believe we we spoke last week uh but the Oris Bear,
0: if I'm not the mistaken, and we were like, who is this? Bear. You've done yes. some digging. I have. So so I did a few things. I The first thing I did was I reached out to the marketing director for Oris and asked. It seems like a reasonable thing to do, right? Uh, yes. That's first, first uh, order of business if I were pursuing that story, yes. They answered yesterday, late. Oh, wow. <laughs> they took quite a while getting back to me. But... Before that, there was a, a uh, live stream with ORIS's president, Ralph Studer. And so I asked there, I submitted the question and said, <laughs> what is the history of the bear? Why do we have the bear? <laughs> and he gave me an answer. But his answer wasn't exactly aligned with the marketing person's answer. Oh and so boy. I've been piecing this together. Well, they're, 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 they weren't conflicting. They just were two different things. And so I've been piecing this together. And here's what I figured out. In 2005... There was there was this con- there was sort of this uh, arts in the city kind of contest that was happening in Holstein, and you, you've seen this happen in other cities, where someone comes up with this plan and they make a bunch of these these animals, right? One animal per city kind of thing. Sure. And businesses sponsor the animal, and an artist paints on the animal. And and that business gets to sponsor the animal as this sort of arts in the city kind of thing. So, for example, I live in North Carolina. And the city that I have, um, they used a wolf. And they put these wolves all over <laughs> painted by artists and oh. businesses sponsored them. That's and fun. so, you, you'd see the, the path of the wolves through the city kind of thing. And it was nice. Yeah. Right? And so, in 2005, they did this same thing in Holstein where Oris is based. And they used a bear for that, uh, that, that city's art project. And Oris sponsored one of the bears back then. And so they've had this Oris bear hanging around in their their offices where they uh, where they had it when that, you know, they sponsored it. And they've brought him to Basel and they've taken him out a couple other places. And basically, they've had this bear. It's been hanging around the office and they see it all every day. Right, And it makes them smile. And because it makes them smile and because they see it all the time, they've sort of taken it on as their mascot and put it into – the backs of watches, they've put it in, they've made little small bears that they've put as a part of the, the uh, marketing displays for the bears in, in authorized dealerships. And what Rolf said when, when I asked him, Rolf, because of course we're on a first name basis now, what Studer sure, said course. was, um, he said at some point the bears were just there. They kept smiling and we smiled back. So we decided this is what we want as a brand. And it's been well-received. There's there's no such perfect canvas as a teddy bear to transport emotion. You know this from your childhood. Teddy bear does this perfect. And we don't have a cost to pass on to the consumer. We're just spreading joy. All right. And so that is the story of the Oris Bears. They sponsored this art project as a part of being a, a good business in the city and contributing to arts in the city. Right. And then took it on as an identity. I mean, that, that sounds that sounds lovely, frankly. That's a nice little story, yeah. It is, but it it, it, There's no like dark insidious surprise, right? No there is no (laughs) evil villainy underlying why there is a teddy bear on the back of their new four thousand dollar watch or whatever it costs. Well, I did not expect that uh, (laughs) explanation. I guess there we have it. We have we have gotten to the bottom of the Holstein bear. Well you got to the bottom. That's funny. (laughs) Spreading joy. Aura spreads joy. Victor spreads joy. Well, that's that's it. their whole theme, right? Aora's their their whole their whole reason for existing right now is to spread the joy of mechanics, mechanical watches. They want to spread the joy of the mechanical watch. That's I mean, best. that's a pretty good kind of company mission, if you ask me. Especially for them, considering what they make. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> huh. All right. Cool. Anything else important happen? No? Nothing? I don't
1: believe anything major has happened this week in the watch world. I may be mistaken,
0: but nothing jumps to mind. I mean, Seiko's got this Astron GPS watch at 39 millimeters. I didn't see that, actually. No? No. I have this uh, Grupo Seiko Italia link that uh, is, is this forum's link. It is a... 39-millimeter GPS solar Oh, I see it. Seiko Astron, 11 millimeters thin, uh, 100 meters water resistance. And what I have to say about it is that you can tell that it's uniquely Seiko. Just the shape of the thing looks like a oh, Seiko. I like it. Okay. But it's very clean, right? This is yeah. a very clean design,
1: isn't it? Yes, no. Is this a big, as a slightest, is this a big message board, this group? Of, I feel like I've been here before. I don't remember. You don't know? Okay. I don't know. Are they like influential in the Seiko? Uh, maybe a, a listener knows.
0: I have to be. I have to say, plead ignorance. I I just don't read okay. the Italian forums. The it. Italian watch, you're not know, that <laughs> deep.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, I like. Yeah, this is this is a uh, pretty nice. I What's I the like it? these things. I like it. I mean, it's it's got uh, the the big distinctive hand. It's got a minute hand. It's got um, a little airplane on it. It's beautiful. It really is. Oh, yeah. It does have a little airplane. That's yeah, nice you see that? Detail. Little little airplane yeah. right around 7 o'clock. Do you want the black or the blue? I. That's a tough question. I like the blue a lot. I like the blue, I think, more. Just A, B testing. I, I might. Yeah. So that model number, if you're curious, is SBXD003, if you want to look at these things. I don't see a price, but uh, maybe I can find
1: it and uh, put it in the notes.
0: Well, if you're looking right. at at like the SRPG sixty three, which is a an, you know the uh, the old uh, SKX style without yeah. a bezel, or or the SRPG sixty one The dress KX, yeah, the dress KX, yeah. If you get the uh, the rotating bezel, that's kind of a weird gray thing with with almost what looks like a lunar finish for the dial. And yeah. we talk about the snowflake uh, dial. This looks like a moon to me. Yeah, I,
1: I don't mind it. Uh, I actually I was looking at something a couple of days ago that kind of like meteorite dial. I don't have anything in that
0: ballpark. I I feel like you have a lot Seiko going on and and I want you to get into some other brand and explore some other brands. That's true.
1: That is true. Well that's why I was looking into this It's Like I got too many, too many, you know, two, three hundred dollar watches. Let me get rid of some of those. Let me get a let me get a big boy watch. Yeah. And the Doxa look kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah. I was also looking at some Orises. I was also looking at a there were a couple of longines i i've had my eyes longines. on longine yeah. yeah uh around that $2000 mark i'm i'm uh, <laughs> comfortable spending uh, right now so nice so we'll see what happens so i'm sure i'm sure the folks are listening with a bated breath what will Nicholas i buy? i just
0: want to know when you go into the authorized dealership <laughs> if they belittle you for your 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 stick pencil wrists that's what i want to hear you
1: know i don't think i think your initial instinct was correct i think the lady was entirely concerned with uh, making a sale and that, and that she <laughs> knew that I wasn't going to buy it that day,
0: she checked out, which is fine. Yeah, that's her, that's her prerogative and I don't blame her. We ought to talk about these authorized dealer experiences. I have been to, you know, not recently, but a few years ago, I went and, and went to Rolex ADs and th- some were completely disinterested and some were totally, totally into it. Like this was the best, most exciting thing they've had all day kind of thing yeah well i mean obviously the past year i you know, haven't been to
1: many stores of any sort yes. uh, <laughs> let alone watch ads. but you know li- luckily i'm in the new york city area yeah. uh, let's say uh so i i have a bunch of uh ads and retailers all within short distance but yeah this one was this one was uh watches of switzerland kind of a semi-famous retail they had a bunch of i also wanted to see if they had that that silver, I guess, can we call it the infamous, the infamous silver Tudor? The 925. Oh, the nine
0: two five. Yeah, yeah. They
1: did not have that in stock, which was uh, actually kind of disappointing. I, I wanted to see that in person, but they had everything: IWC, Tudor, Rolex, Omega. Uh, hmm. They had Grand Seiko downstairs, but I did not go downstairs.
0: Uh, so it's kind of a one-stop shop for for nice. your for your watches. So. Nice. Well. This is what we need. I I need you to go on assignment to a different one and and just see how you get treated. And let's talk about that whole experience. I can do that. They have this particular
1: retailer has two locations in New York City. I can easily go to the other one. So yeah,
0: we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have. We will be back next time with, with more adventures in exploring retail and talking about infighting among the same brand, more or less, basically. And all these kinds of things. On The Hour Time Show, I'm Victor Marks. And I am Nicholas DeLeon. We will be back next week.
1: Thank you for listening to The Hour Time Show, the official podcast of wristwatchreview.com. Feel free to email us at tips at wristwatchreview.com with your feedback and suggestions. And please be sure to visit wristwatchreview.com and wristwatchreview on Instagram for more fun watch content. Have a nice day.